so good to see the number present that we have today and your interest in spiritual things is to be commended and it's a big encouragement when we look around and see others of like precious faith worshiping together the God of heaven above as prescribed in scripture to follow him in spirit and in truth. We'd like to look at a very important subject today and it is my desire to encourage and not discourage in any way. Did you know we're in a war? Not talking about a war here on earth that is carnal warfare like Ukraine and Russia are in right now. But rather, do you feel like you're in a war? Do I feel like we're in a war? Do we see sin for what it is? Do we hate sin? Where in our personal lives do we need to work on hating particular sins that we have trouble with because those are the little trinkets that the devil likes to put in front of you and I, particularly aiming to me with my areas of temptation. It's not going to tempt me with areas of non-temptation. The devil is very crafty, a worthy adversary and a, and a huge enemy because of what is at stake, our souls. Eternal destiny in one of two places with no option to opt out for neutrality and take it, you know, to the grave and feel nothing anymore and say, well, I'll forego heaven if you can just leave me off the other list. It doesn't work that way. That's not the way the Creator set things up. And so it's appointed unto men, anthropos, men and women, once to die, but after that the judgment. The only exception I know is for Jesus to come while those who are alive in His coming will not suffer death, but will be transformed uh, into new bodies with the Spirit uh, suitable for eternity in one of those two places. If we don't feel like we are at war, we have a problem. Because there are passages we'll look at today that talk about us needing to put on our army, armor, our spiritual armor. And we need to wear it well and we need to check it often. And we need to realize that as far as I'm able to understand, our backside is not covered. And therefore we need to have our head on a swivel and be watching lest the enemy approach from behind. And when we turn, then we've got a different angle that he may come. And though James 4, 7 says, and we need to believe it, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He'll depart for a while, but he'll be back. He'll be back. I don't know what the prescription or the formula is mathematically for how long it is until he turns around and comes back again. I have assurance by faith the passage means what it says. And I know enough to know that that is one tactic that we are to use in the spiritual warfare. We're not to give in. But we do. We make mistakes. And we need correction. I'm going to put in a shameless plug for the 51st Psalm that we'll be studying in the Wednesday night auditorium class. We welcome you to come if you haven't been coming and encourage those uh, that can to come and appreciate those who are able to make it regularly for the good that it provides us as a middle of the week battery boost spiritually. Um, and I think, if you will, think with me a moment for a big tugboat and... The rope 
that is capable of mooring or pulling a, a heavily laden barge full of great weight. Well, that rope is a bunch of small, thin fibers. And if I'm a fiber and you're a fiber and another sister's a fiber and a brother and a sister and a brother and a sister, before you know it, with just like this small, relatively small, but growing congregation in number, if we are together and we come together as Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, to encourage one another and build one another up, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, when we are weak, we can still feel the strength of the group and we can help one another be. That's God's arrangement. It must be the best way because God planned it that way. To have a family relationship called the body of Christ, local and universal, as we know it taught in Scripture. Not an isolation where I get to be an island and, and I'm going to make it on my own. No, we don't do it on our own. We need help. And God gives it to us. But we have consolation in Scripture. We have an armor. And we're going to talk about what the devil wants in this lesson. But we're also going to not leave it like that alone. That we have some remedies. First, let's take a peek at Psalm 51. Very quickly, please. This seems to be a penitential psalm, meaning one that shows a penitent attitude and repentance toward God for sins committed. It may indeed be David and particularly his sin with Bathsheba as far as what is being talked about here. We'll say more or a little bit more about that on Wednesday. There are some key elements of this inspired passage. Have mercy upon me, O God. We have a right to ask God as His children for mercy. He'll grant it. It's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. It's not we can go do five uh, spiritual push-ups of some type of work in the kingdom and then we get to get the mercy. God is ready to outpour His mercy to it. According to your loving kindness. That's how good God is. He'll give it to us without merit. Now it might not be without condition of pardon. But that by no means is meritorious. Is To repent of sins, to pray as a Christian, to confess is not meritorious, it's a condition for a Christian to receive the blood of Christ, the big eraser, as we've talked about before in years past, that wipes away sins of the Christian. Or for those who are outside the body of Christ to come to Christ to hear the word, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, to repent of sins, to be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ, to know and believe that God is and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. To be buried scripturally in the water baptism is mentioned in the Great Commission for the remission of sins. And God will give us that. According to His loving kindness. According to what we read in Scripture. And I believe David here, according to His tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly, Clean is clean. <laughs> I remember growing up, we used Tide. Because it'll 
get your clothes clean was one of the things I kept hearing on the commercial. You know, that just little staccato in there. It will do it. I think it's made by the Procter & Gamble Company out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And it holds the line with some of the other competitors. I'll use some cheaper from time to time, but when I think that those white t-shirts or whatever it might be, then I go for a little bit of bleach. I go for a little bit of extra. With God, clean is clean. When He forgives us of our sins, we are white as snow. Now, we can have a problem and drag all of our sins in our memory with us all the time. Or we can do our best to learn from them and cut the cord. But we may never totally forget what's in the past. We need to be willing to go forward and not be weighted down by sins forgiven by God. There are consequences of sin. We may never forget some of the things that we have done that have consequences in this life forever until we die. That's on us. Shame on us for those types of things. But we can be forgiven with the precious blood. David knows that and that we can be cleansed. And we need to know that in our heart of hearts and live that way. Joyous and not sad. He says in verse 3 of Psalm 51, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. We'll go forward with some other passages, but I hope we can quickly jump down to verse 10. Part of the remedy in this is an opportunity to tear off the bad sheet and see a clean sheet ahead. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is the same David, if it be, that was the shepherd boy that was so strong that he delivered his sheep out of the paw of the lion and the mouth of the bear, if I've got the parts of their anatomy right there. No, it was with God's help, and he knew it. And that's why when it got later in his life to where this Philistine named Goliath and the other Philistines were taunting and touting, if you will, the Israelites, David had no problem. What, what's the problem here? So finally, his faith was in the right place, but he still made mistakes. Bathsheba. Uriah, remember the premeditated murder? Her husband, that she was married, and then using the fact that he's over the army to send a letter to Joab, the captain of the army, and say, here, Uriah, take this to the captain as you go back to a war. And it says, put Uriah in the front in the heat of the battle. And he did, and Uriah passed away. And then there was a cover-up. Sin begat sin sometimes. It's ugly. And you do one thing and then there comes the next and the next. And the devil loves that tactic. He loves that in spiritual warfare. Then there's more sin to repent of. And David is having access here to God. God loves him. God loves us. And he's going to be purged. He's going to be cleansed 
sins will be blotted out to be remembered no more by God. And yet, he's a vessel for God and he needs to have a cleansing himself of mind. To create in himself a clean heart. It's not having the plaque removed from his physical cardiovascular system. It's his Bible heart. And how we think, so goes the rest of our day. If you get up grumpy in the morning, your day may be grumpy for a while. Until you change your thinking or your heart, if you will. That's being mentioned here. We'll not read the verses in 1 John 1, but sin is described there as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And for those things that can be called sins that we commit, I believe it's one of these three or a combination of these three as I continue to study. If you find a different way that uh, we can sin, committing a sin, let me know. Now, James 4, 17 says, For he that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him, it's sin. So if there's something we need to be doing, and we have the ability and the opportunity to do it, we don't want to have a sin of omission by not doing it. Because of the passage like James 4, 17. And that can be illustrated by the parable of the Good Samaritan. Two Jews went by of some religious date, and they walked by on the other side of the road. They weren't going to help the person who had been beaten up and was in need. The indication is they had the ability, they had the opportunity, but they'd rather not be bothered. But the half-breed, considered dogs, as Samaritans were to the Jews at that time, was willing to go up, help the person, get him in the hotel, tell the innkeeper, here's the money, and I'm going to come back through this way, keep an account on what this person's needs are to get well and be fed, and I'll pay you the rest when I come back through. Had the ability and the opportunity. Now, if we don't have deep pockets to that extent, God's not holding us accountable on these sins of omission when they are in such a manner as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But if we are, we need to be very careful. The parable of the talents as well, along the sins of omission, need to be carefully examined in our life because it's a tactic of the devil to let us think about the things that we're doing right, make a little checklist like we want to do in some circumstances, and wouldn't that be easy just to have a checklist and I gotta give 40% of this and I gotta do 20% here and oh, I don't have to do that one. That's not what Christianity's about, is it? It's about loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Living one day at a time for the Lord try our best to show him how much that we love him in return for what he's done for us. In Matthew 25, we have the parable of the talents. And some would think, well, the five-talent man, he could just relax. All right? He's already ahead of the pack. Problem is, we're not racing each other to heaven. This is one of those ability plus opportunity equals responsibility or responsibility as well. Where sins of omission can come into play as James 4, 17 
would teach us. So even when a two-talent person might double what they could do, and the master comes back and say, look, that's just four. <laughs> we started out with five. Why do I have to do anything? I'm still at We are not to grade ourselves. Uh, Paul wrote the Corinthians, don't you compare yourselves with yourselves. Guess what? We have a standard. It's a mirror. And I'm supposed to look into it, and I'm supposed to see where I've got a problem, and then make adjustments to the work. Now, can we help our brothers and sisters in Christ if we see something out of line? Yes, with the proper love and respect, and considering ourselves, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, lest we also be tempted. With a spirit of gentleness and meekness, we need to approach one another. And as we were studying today with regard to an accusation against an elder, if a congregation had elders, the matter of having two or three witnesses before, we would accept or receive some type or consider some type of accusation. That would be in 1 Timothy 5, around verses 17 to the end of the chapter, if you weren't in that class. So, as mentioned here with the one talent man, that person was not expected to grow that into five, given the tenor, the insinuation that we would get. But there would be some growth, some return during that time that the master was away and then came back, as was indicated by the rebuke and what was said in the rebuke. When it was dug in the earth, put down, covered up, and when it was time, look, here, you gave me one, I give it back to you. That is going to be what the devil wants us to do. That means we need to be aware of, I don't want to say the universality in the wrong sense, but the wide scope of this nature. Because if we're not aware of this, We'll get over on the checklist of the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts. We'll do a pretty good job with our liberties, Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8. And then we won't be concerned about our spiritual aspect of our life and our, our spiritual health is probably a good way to say it, to use that kind of uh, metaphor with regard to sins of omission. God gives us what we need in the pattern of His Word to help us. But we have the sin problem. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But let's go to Ephesians 6. Quickly read about the armor. Go to 1 Corinthians 10.13 after this if you want to turn to both passages. And that... Adam, Eve, Cain, David, Joseph, Job, everyone labors under these kinds of things, though some were under different covenants. As far as the sin problem that's mentioned in Romans 3.23. Needing forgiveness, needing help, and not being in isolation. Think whether or not God's telling us it's a hopeless situation or whether we should be expected to succeed in this war for our soul. Verse 10, Ephesians 6, New King James. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. See, it's not carnal warfare. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, that you may be able to withstand that you, Mark, that you, Trey, that you, sisters, etc., 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 around the room, may be able to withstand. That we all can withstand. It's possible. But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have a paradox here. But for time's sake, let's continue. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Do it. Don't just think about it. Live it. And I'm stepping all over my toes now. If I go up in volume, it's because it's important for us all. But I'm at the front of the line. Having girded your waist with truth, we have to study our Bibles and know what truth is and not guess about it. <laughs> Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, up front we've got to live godly lives, soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. Titus 2, around verse 10. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, wherever we walk we need to be willing to share that gospel. We live that gospel and we need to be capable and develop our teaching skills. Above all, that must be important. Shall we turn to a different verse or are we curious enough? Above all, taking the shield of faith. How good is this going to help us in the war? Well, pretty good. With which you will be able, will be able to quench all the fiery tarts of the wicked one. There's the devil, the same devil that got Adam, Eve, Cain, that messed with Saul, the king of Jezebel, okay? Us. The shield of faith will allow us to have the darts, the fiery darts of Satan to not penetrate us and take the helmet of salvation right up top and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God which don't forget can be used defensively like fencers do as well as offensively when needed but with care in how we use it which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. It is so important that we have this armor and as we promised uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Ephesians 6 takes action on our part but it is a promise to be of help to us. 1 Corinthians 10 also should be a help to us. Now, are we going to sin? All have sinned and fallen short. Does that give us license to sin? No, it's wrong to sin every time that we sin. 
But we reconcile that in Christ. We reconcile that with growth. We also have a loving God that's given us a plan of pardon for that sin. Now, somebody in the room, pick anyone, especially a child, because we're of tender heart toward them. Uh, hopefully we're of tender heart to each other as adults, but sometimes we do better with illustrations, I think, for the little ones. Deathly sick, in two pews over, we've got a remedy. The doctor has the remedy. Member of the church. The child's going to die in an hour if it doesn't take the remedy. What are we going to do? Physically die. The remedy's available. It can be prescribed and given immediately. All we have to do is take action and get the medicine in the body of the child. Why we say that's that's an easy one, Mark. Yes. Let's get it in the child. And let's pray to God and be thankful that all those circumstances exist. Well, Jesus died for the sins of the world, as Trey read before the Lord's Supper. John 3 16. That includes you and I, and, and the plan has been in the mind of God forever for a long, long time before the foundations of the world. I'll say it that way. Time is hard to, to gather with, uh, with regard to God. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, another nugget, a gold nugget to me and should be of remembrance to all of us. We're all tempted. We're all tempted. Let no man say when he's tempted that he's not. And that, that we're tempted of God. Because God doesn't tempt us. The devil does. And his angels. No temptation has overcome or overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. I don't know how he does it. It's kind of like with Job, I think. But I don't have to know the how of it to know it's the way it is because that's what God says in his holy word. That though we're going to be tempted, I believe on an individual basis, God will not allow someone very powerful, the devil, or his angels, to tempt us above what we are able to bear. So the baby Christian that's a new convert may have a stronger governor, if you will, or regulator with regard to how much temptation can be given. God is that good. But he still has to allow for free moral agency, doesn't he? Okay. God is fair. God is good. And we have free moral agency to do as we will. So with the, the seasoned Christian that has grown and never departed from the faith, and yes, is not perfect, but has been in the kingdom of God's dear son for 40 years, may have much less regulator with regard to what allowance. Not because God wants us to fail, but because of what is fair. And I can't understand everything in the mind of God. But isn't it wonderful that the passage exists for the babe in Christ as well as for the seasoned vet in the army of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And will with the temptation. God's making this now, not the devil. God's making with the temptation. Every one of us. 
a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's a lot of help on the part of God. We'll not go to Hebrews 8, Romans 8, and talk about uh, the blood being shed in uh, Hebrews 8 and 9 and the covenant changing and different people living under different ages at this time for sacred time. And, but, and I refer you over to Romans, the 8th chapter, that in that chapter, both the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, when the Christian prays, advocates, makes intercession, mediates on our behalf with our prayers. We've got a lot of help in this spiritual warfare. But as we started the lesson, are we even thinking that we're at war? How would we behave if we were in a carnal warfare situation like Ukraine and Russia here in Georgia? Life would not be normal. Tomorrow being Monday, those that have secular jobs and those that go to school might be negatively impacted as far as that schedule is concerned. We might have a meeting of the men of the congregation and decide what we might try to do with regard to uh, continuing to worship God but helping band even closer than staying in our residence and enjoying uh, waiting for, well, one day we may lose this cable, but for now we keep watching it. I know it's better than that. We would not do that. We would start trying to take action. And it would be spiritually and biblically based because something would have our attention. But let it not have to rise to the situation for us that we have to have carnal warfare imminent on our very county turf for us to rise to the call of action and remind ourselves that we already were in a spiritual warfare and we've got to get ready in case we pass. There were two automobile accidents, I don't know how this happened, on Highway 17 and on Altama in Brunswick on Friday with vehicles that got flipped. It was the oddest thing for that to happen. Slow down the traffic for a little while. Don't know about the injuries, but ambulances were sent to both. I happened to be driving near the second and not the first, but heard about the first. We don't know what our life will be in this world. And we could choke on a chicken bone and pass away as well just in a common meal. We need to be ready in the sense of at any time Jesus could come again, even if our death were not involved. All right, in a few minutes, I'm just going to briefly read over some things that others have um, mentioned in lessons, and then the lesson will be yours. You can get your song books and turn to There's a Fountain Free. Here's one, six things the devil wants for your life. For you to doubt God, we need to be aware there are people that are actively in organizations, religious and non, that wake up every day and that's their mission in life, is to get people who believe in God, not to believe in God, and or propagate the doctrine that there is no God for those that haven't made up their mind yet. <laughs> and to keep those who don't believe there is a God, to keep believing, to put it that way. 
foo for you to live in fear. For you to feel insecure. For you to be led astray to the cause of Christ. Be led away. And for you to fail and give up. The devil uses tactics like doubt and fear. And can you really, really know that is there really God there? I know there's oxygen there. I can't see it. That doesn't mean it's not there. People do all kinds of tricks to folks' minds to try to get them twisted and turned away. Oh, you've committed too many sins. There's just no way that you can be forgiven. And even if you are forgiven, you're just going to do them again. You know, why don't you just give up? That works. Get down, get down, get depressed, quit going. Not heed the cries of your brethren and your loving invitations to come back, come back. Not reading and hearing the Lord's invitation to come back and be saved. The devil will try to deceive us in that matter. I'll try to get a list uh, and put it down as a reference point on some of these other things that, that I have. They are too numerous at this time uh, to go over. But quite choice, like those that call evil good, and a list of maybe some examples, and those that call good evil. It's happening. It's been happening for a long time. There's nothing new under the sun. And even though we know the final analysis is those that are faithful are going to win the ultimate victory over Satan. Satan will take the masses, and that includes some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Just because we've got the stamp, seal of approval, that we became a member of the true family of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not a guarantee of our salvation. Look at the warnings that were given to New Testament Christians lest they fall away. Let us be about our spiritual well-being, take interest in our own spiritual well-being and that of others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and let's win this thing together, not of our own might, but with the help of God that he offers freely and the assistance using God's arrangements, scriptural arrangements for the salvation of our soul. For our spiritual health will be good if we do that. And we'll be ready and not found wanting in that final day. Thanks for your kind attention, the way in which you've listened. Uh, to compliment you on that. You've listened like your soul depended on it. And it does. And the other brethren may do more, more good in delivering a lesson on this. But we need continued lessons like this interspersed with others to keep us ready and fit. So when the war starts, we'll be ready? No, we're in it. So we need to make sure that we realize, oh, I need to pick up my sword more. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and not go too long between Sundays until we open this up again. We need to get some of it daily to get our spiritual nutrition. If you're subject in any way to the Lord's invitation. We beg you to come and, and make ready things in your life so you'll be ready if Jesus comes back again. God's ready. We're ready. And if you've not become a Christian, then need to. We'll help you with that. If you're subject in any way, we bid you come while we stand and sing.